Welcome to the Nutrition Unpeeled podcast, a place where hungry minds discuss all things evidence-based nutrition, fitness, mindset, and healthy living. We're your hosts, registered dietitian and nutritionists, Courtney and Darian. Let's dive in. The information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only, so always speak to a healthcare provider such as a registered dietitian who can work with you directly about your unique healthcare needs. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Nutrition Unpeeled podcast. Today, we're talking all about nutrition for CrossFit. So we're going to talk about how to plan your nutrition, what to eat, what to consider for supplements, and even factors that uh, affect your recovery and your food choices. Mm-hmm. This is it. I'm really excited for this one. I feel like Court has such a wealth of knowledge surrounding that CrossFit realm um, just from her past. And then me being a little bit newer in the scene, I think we'll have a lot to discuss today. I think you're being a little bit modest, and You're not new to this scene. You've been around for a while and have a lot of experiences with your own nutrition for yeah. CrossFit, but also working with a number of athletes. So before we dive in, um, Darian, instead of asking you the best thing you ate this week, I'm going to make the question a little bit more specific to our discussion and ask you to share your favorite CrossFit workout. Oh, I don't know if I have a specific workout that's my favorite, but I love a chipper with like rowing and a heavy dumbbell. And I also love anything that has a heavy barbell in it. Nice. I love that. What about you? Well, I think for a specific workout, mine would be a workout called Hollyman. It's 30 rounds and I think it's five wall balls. Oh, like two handstand push-ups, maybe three three handstand push-ups and a heavy power clean. And you're just cycling really quickly. And those are movements I really enjoy. So that's one for me as well as Nate, which has handstand push-ups, muscle-ups and kettlebell swings, I think. So yeah, yeah, that's That's a fun one one. too. Mm. For our discussion today, we've decided to break it into three sections, nutrition, supplements, and recovery considerations. So let's kick it off by talking about nutrition first. Before we dive right into the nutrition piece, we just wanted to chat quickly about the variety that CrossFit brings and how different programming and workouts actually have a huge role in your nutrition. So when a client comes to us um, for nutrition support, there's two main things I think about if they list CrossFit as their Mm -hmm. um, form of exercise. The first is, what are their goals for CrossFit? Are they a performance athlete who's doing a ton of volume Mm -hmm. and high intensity that we need to consider? Or are they more focused on health and wellness, where maybe the volume's not as high and how we need to approach that volume from a nutrition perspective is honestly totally different. Mm -hmm. So there's the performance athlete and then there's the health athlete. Um, But then within that, each CrossFit gym, they have ownership of how they're programming their workouts. So it can be very different gym to gym. So when we're working with our clients, we actually have to understand what does their program look like? What does their volume look like? So that we can tailor their nutrition Mm -hmm. specifically to them and what they're doing. Yeah, it's, it's huge, actually, the impact it makes because, you know, if you are looking at, you know, a health, uh, more focused athlete, they are maybe just hitting the wad every day and that's great. Mm-hmm. But then if you are looking at someone who's more performance um, focused, they could be doing a strength programming, a skill set, a wad, mm-hmm. maybe extra cardio or endurance on top of that. So it's mm-hmm. like that compounding volume just significantly changes 
their caloric needs and their energy expenditure. Yeah. And even to consider, you know, the way I approach CrossFit now mm-hmm. compared to the way I did in the past or mm-hmm. even how you are right now, Darian, I would say I'm more of the health mm-hmm. athlete. And what I do for nutrition is completely different, hitting that wad each day compared to training two to three hours, mm-hmm. five to six days a week. Yeah. So that's something that we want to highlight when we're talking about nutrition and yeah. CrossFit is that it's not a catch-all term. Mm-hmm. It, it really is individual based on where you're at, what your goals are, and what programming you're following. Yeah. All right, let's jump into the nutrition piece by talking about the macronutrients first. So our macronutrients are protein, carbs, and fats. So let's kick it off with protein. We talk a lot about protein mm-hmm. on the podcast, but there are some specific considerations for a CrossFit athlete. So the first that comes to mind for me is most CrossFit programs are going to have strength yeah. training in them, resistance training. And we know when we're putting that type of stimulus on the muscle, we need more protein um, for muscle protein synthesis and yeah. recovery. So we're looking at probably about 0.8 to 1 gram of protein per day per pound of body weight. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that calculation gets adjusted based on your body fat percentage. So that's where we're working with a dietitian. Um, one-on-one is really important so mm-hmm. that you can tailor your protein needs to your body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The second piece with protein that I think of is the spacing throughout the day. So there is a lot to say with having that consistent intake spread evenly throughout your day versus just hitting it hard at one meal, mm-hmm. just to support that muscle recovery and turnover aspect that's going on. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Usually when I'm working with an athlete, I'm looking to have at least four meals in their day Mm -hmm. that are high protein and they're building in um, a protein rich food. So they're getting, I guess, four feedings of protein spread across the day, maybe even more than that to meet their protein needs and to keep their blood sugar uh, stable across the day. Exactly. Um, the Another one would be just the variety and sources. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when we choose different sources of protein, we um, obtain different micronutrients. So for example, if we're choosing a red meat, we're getting iron, which is an important micronutrient. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if we're choosing eggs, we're getting unique micronutrients there like choline. Mm-hmm. So if we can choose different proteins, um, that's really valuable yeah. for our body as well so that we're not having the same protein source all throughout the day. Definitely. Uh, and I know that can, that was something I fell into where it's like, okay, eggs are easy. Mm-hmm. Chicken is easy. Those are my two protein sources. Um, but if we can, we want to get more variety than that. So yeah, yeah. choosing different sources yeah. can be really beneficial. Mm-hmm. I think protein is the one thing. It's a hill I'd be willing to die on and just emphasizing its importance for athletes. The second macronutrient that we consider is carbohydrate. And I would say carbohydrate Mm -hmm. is probably the most variable um, macronutrient in terms of how much you need. So if we think of that health-focused athlete that we highlighted, um, they're definitely going to benefit from carbohydrates throughout the day and around workouts to support their performance and recovery. But they might not need as much as the performance athlete who has that high output with um, just more volume, more intensity, putting more time in. Their carbohydrate needs can really shoot up. Uh, to support their recovery and their performance and their training. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. And then also even considering the type of carbohydrate where normally we are emphasizing those higher fiber carbohydrates for blood sugar stability, digestive health. But sometimes if we are more on that performance range and we need quicker digesting carbs and a lot more of them, 
um, choosing those lower fiber carbohydrates becomes priority. Yeah, for sure. And so like Darian said, we're often encouraging uh, fiber-filled carbs. So thinking like sweet potatoes, yeah. whole grain breads, uh, fruits, because they help to support our blood sugars and to uh, keep mm-hmm. our guts healthy. But when we have high carbohydrate needs, we might get too much fiber yeah. where it's uncomfortable for our body mm-hmm. to be digesting that much fiber, or it could be impeding um our energy for the workout itself, mm-hmm. like Darian said. So that's where, you know, maybe we are choosing more white rice or mm-hmm. some of those lower fiber uh, carbohydrates so that we're getting the energy we need without too much fiber. Definitely. This is a little bit of a small, deeper dive. And while consistency with carbs is usually what we recommend, with CrossFit, you are using different energy systems. And those energy systems can also impact the amount of timing of carbohydrates through those workouts. Yeah. And when Darian says energy systems, what she means is you could be working in the aerobic mm-hmm. pathway where you're doing a more endurance focused workout where your body's utilizing um, carbohydrate stores for energy, yeah. but also fat stores for yeah. energy. Or you could be doing what we call glycolytic or anaerobic, anaerobic workouts yeah. where you're really uh, diving into those carbohydrate mm-hmm. stores in the muscle. And so we might change the fueling strategy um, to have more carbohydrates around certain types of workouts. Again, this is like Darian said, it's a deeper dive. Um, It's not something that um, I think most people need to consider. They just need to keep their carbohydrates consistent day to day. Mm -hmm. But when we are working with a performance athlete, we might be working with them to start to understand what energy system are they using in their different workouts so we can further tailor nutrition to that specific workout. Mm -hmm. And this would probably come into play even more so in a competition setting for an athlete. A final macronutrient is our fat. Yeah. So getting enough fat in the day is super important because our body uses fats um, for recovery and for building hormones. And so if we're not getting enough fat, eventually we're probably going to see um, that our performance or our health declines. So getting enough fat is super important. But then Mm -hmm. fat's a bit tricky because if we have too much fat around our workout window, so like before our workout, even after our workout, it can uh, impede digestion, Mm -hmm. which isn't optimal from a performance perspective within the workout itself. Um, But outside of that workout window, we do want to be including fats in our day because they are so important for our overall health and recovery and even our blood sugar balance and satiety. Yeah. And similar to protein, where we're looking for that variety, same goes for fats. Different fats are going to offer us different nutrients like fiber or omega-3s. So Mm -hmm. having variety in those sources can be very beneficial as well. Yeah, and even the fatty acids themselves, like Mm -hmm. having sources of monounsaturated fats, like nuts and seeds, and even some saturated fats, building those in, um, which could be another like deep dive in (laughs) itself, Um, and the polyunsaturated fats, like Darian said, the Mm omega-3s. So um, getting variety, again, in our fat sources is a great goal. Oftentimes when we're working with our clients and we're exploring the concept of macronutrients, we actually explain it in terms of food groups and for food groups. And the reason we do this is because we like to separate uh, vegetables specifically as their own food group because technically vegetables are uh, a carbohydrate, so mm-hmm. they would fall under that macronutrient umbrella. But if we're using vegetables for our carbohydrate, they won't have the same effect in our body yeah. compared to the denser source of carbohydrate. So like our starches, like potatoes or our grains, like rice. So vegetables 
while they are carbs, they're bound, that carb is bound up with a lot of fiber and they're very low in carbohydrates. So we don't use vegetables as an energy source. Mm -hmm. We more use vegetables for the benefits in terms of the micronutrients Mm -hmm. they offer, the fiber they offer, the fullness they offer. So we're definitely looking to include veggies throughout our day, but we might not be prioritizing them before, during, and after a workout um, because they're not going to provide that readily available energy Mm -hmm. source. So the next section we want to touch on in our nutrition side is micronutrients. Yeah. So we won't dive into all of the micronutrients. That would maybe be a great (laughs) podcast episode in and of itself. Um, But what we do tell our clients in terms of micronutrients is that when we're choosing whole foods and a variety within each of the food groups that we discussed, that we typically can obtain the micronutrients that we need to thrive and optimize our health and performance. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you have a specific food allergy or intolerance, we may need to take special care to ensure those micronutrients are met. But as Courtney said, for the most part, our whole food prioritization is going to ensure those micronutrients are met. Mm -hmm. So there are certainly considerations that come up even in terms of blood work Mm -hmm. or symptoms that someone might present with that uh, might give us a clue that we need to be more tailored in terms of our micronutrient Mm -hmm. strategy. But just to recap, for the most part, Let's aim for whole foods. Let's get a variety of sources and maybe take a multivitamin if we feel we need that insurance policy. Um, But those are the key considerations we wanted to touch on for today's episode in terms of micronutrients. All right. Now we're going to tackle meal timing. So for a more in-depth breakdown of meal timing and exercise, you can go back to a past uh, podcast episode on peri-workout nutrition we did. But today we're going to touch on a few key considerations for CrossFit specifically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when we're talking peri-workout nutrition or meal timing, we're thinking of, okay, how are we building our meals across the Mm -hmm. day to support our recovery and even our blood sugar and our sleep? But then we're also thinking, how can we... um, choose meals and snacks to support our workout performance. So that workout window specifically. So if we zoom out and we look at the whole day, Mm -hmm. I would say the big picture is, can we build at least three meals in our day where we're considering these four food groups that we explored. So building in protein, fat, carbohydrate, and veggies and fruit. So we're getting that mix of nutrition that keeps our blood sugar supported through the day and delivers key nutrients that our body needs um, for optimal functioning, but also, like I said, recovery from the workouts that we're doing. Um, Again, little bit of a deep dive here, yeah. but if we're thinking about recovery, it's not that we work out, we eat, and we recover. Our bodies. Mm recovering over, you know, 48 hours or more from whatever workout we did. So we need to continue to deliver it nutrients across the day. So it has what it needs to recover. Okay, let's zoom in to the workout window, starting with pre-workout nutrition. So when we're looking at pre-workout nutrition, the first thing that I consider with clients is, can we time it around your meal? So um, if you have an hour or even 90 minutes to digest whatever balanced meal you've eaten, that can serve as your pre-workout meal. You don't have to have Mm -hmm. a specific pre-workout snack. But if your meal is 90 minutes or maybe two hours uh, before you work out and your blood sugars are starting to dip or you're feeling low in energy, then you might want to plan a specific pre-workout snack so that your energy is optimized through the workout itself. 
So can you give an example of what that snack should include? Yeah, well, we want the snack to have carbohydrate because that's going to be the energy source, the immediate energy source that we're using for the workout. So um, some type of carbohydrate, ideally one that digests well for us. So we're not feeling like our body's working to digest our snack versus um, actually delivering um energy and nutrients to our muscles to perform in the workout. So that could be something like a banana or rice Mm -hmm. cakes or maybe a muffin that you made or a fruit squeeze. Um, But I would say those would be optimal about 30 minutes before a workout. And if you do have more than 30 minutes to have a snack, then you can make it a little bit more um, diverse (laughs) by including some protein in your snack or even like Mm -hmm. a little bit of fat. So maybe that is a banana with peanut butter. Mm-hmm. Um, Darian, do you have any other examples of pre-workout snacks? Yeah, maybe it is a piece of fruit with some baby bell cheese. If, mm-hmm. Again, you have over that 30 minutes, but I'd say less than that 30 minute mark, then you are really minimizing that protein and fat with that carb. Yeah. And again, the reason for that is if you have too much protein or fat right before a workout, your body will send blood to your uh, digestive Mm -hmm. tract to break that snack down. We know that protein and fat are more difficult for our body to digest. So then all the blood flow will be going to your stomach and not actually to your muscles to supply that nutrition and oxygen. So like Darian said, hit a carb if you only have 30 minutes Mm -hmm. to digest, but a little bit more than that, build in the protein and fat to slow that carb down so that the carbohydrate or the sugar in that pre-workout snack lasts you a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. So Courtney, do you need a snack during your workout? I would say this comes back to the health athlete Mm -hmm. versus the performance athlete. So if you're doing an hour-long workout or wad, you don't need an intra-workout snack. If you feel like you're fading in your hour-long workout, it's probably because we haven't optimized your Mm pre-workout window. Um, So I would say the health athlete hitting an hour class, you don't need anything. Just rely on your pre-workout nutrition to fuel you. The performance athlete, though, who might be at the gym for two or more hours might need an intra-workout snack. Um, So if, say, maybe they hit the workout... Um, And then they're staying an hour after the workout to do some skill training or some strength training. Um, They might benefit from some easy to digest carb between those two sessions to give their muscles some energy, but also to give their brain some energy Mm -hmm. as well to focus on their training, especially if it's a skill session where their brain's working really hard on coordination or balance. Um, I think of athletes maybe practicing handstand walking after class. So those performance athletes or anyone doing a back-to-back class. Um, So maybe they're doing the workout and then a gymnastics class. They might benefit from that intra-workout nutrition to support their blood sugars and energy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and this could be another one of those easy to digest carbs like rice cakes, dried fruit, bananas, even candies, fruit squeezes. Um, I hit one of those on the weekend. I was doing some snatch work before the wad and I knew that that lifting kind of wore me out. So I had a couple fruit squeezes in my gym bag, sucked those back and I was ready to go for the main workout. Yeah. You love the fruit squeezes. <laughs> I, I like cannot do fruit squeezes. I'm like anything but a fruit squeeze. Maybe like a, some dried mango would be yeah, something that be I'd enjoy. Yeah. yeah. I find they just digest so quickly and I'm like, yeah, I'm just ready to hit it. Nice. Um, Darian, what about post-workout? Do you need to have a post workout snack? Mm -hmm. Not necessarily. If you're able to have a well-balanced meal, prioritizing some protein and carbs after your workout or training session, 
you're going to be well covered. Um, now, it might be beneficial for those who have goals that they maybe are looking to gain a little bit of weight, they have higher training volume, or again, they aren't able to eat that balanced meal within maybe roughly 90 minutes of that session, then having that post-workout meal or snack on hand would support their recovery. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people, and we'll talk about this later in the podcast, have a blunted appetite Mm -hmm. post-workout. So they like feel they can't eat for hours. I'm the opposite. (laughs) I like finish a workout. I'm like, see you guys. I'm like going straight home (laughs) and eating a meal. I'm so hungry. Um, So I know for me, And I rarely do this because I like going home right after and eating. But sometimes if maybe I want to run an errand and I know I'm going to be a little bit longer before my meal, I will have a post-workout snack. I love oatmeal gold bars, Mm -hmm. a specific protein bar that has um, carbs and protein. Mm -hmm. So perfect post-workout. So I'll maybe eat a bar and then that buys me a little bit of time before I go home and eat my balanced meal. Like Darian said, that uh, prioritizes all of our food groups, but especially protein and carbohydrate. All right. So I feel like this needs to come up. What about fasting with CrossFit? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So definitely a lot of people choose to uh, do intermittent fasting or maybe Mm -hmm. even fast before an early morning Mm -hmm. workout for some of those crazy people who work out (laughs) at 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. They maybe just don't have an appetite when they wake up, which is totally understandable. Um, And, you know, for some people, they feel they perform well. Um, that way and they like you know not having anything in their stomach so I mean power to them but Mm -hmm. I would really check in with yourself like is this truly working for you Um, is it truly working for you to optimize your performance in the class itself Um, how are you feeling through the rest of the day because something that I've noticed is when um, people fast before high intensity workouts like CrossFit um, there can be some detriments that come to it, especially for women. It's Mm -hmm. something I would caution against for for women. So why do you say specifically for women? So um, for women, our bodies are a bit more vulnerable to um, low energy availability. Mm -hmm. So if we're hitting a workout, like say an early morning workout fasted, um, something that happens in everyone's body when we wake up is we have this natural rise in a hormone called cortisol that wakes us up and gives us energy. And if we um, don't eat anything in the morning, um, that cortisol tends to take off through the morning and rise to higher levels. If we've also maybe hit some caffeine or we've now done a stressful workout, that cortisol gets pushed up even higher. And this can have some negative effects down the road um, because if our body is putting a lot of resources into putting out a stress hormone like cortisol, it has less resources Mm -hmm. um, for other hormones in our body like the sex hormones. So Mm -hmm. thinking estrogen and progesterone. So women will often see that their cycle, so their menstrual cycle gets really wonky and very symptomatic um, or maybe they lose their cycle altogether. Mm -hmm. And so for women... I'm a huge fan of eating first thing in the morning and having some carbohydrates, especially if you'll be training first thing in the morning. And then I would even say for anyone looking to uh, capture the most out of their workout Mm -hmm. that they will benefit from having something going into that class. And it can be something very easy to digest and, and, and not even too big. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be a big breakfast meal. It could just be having a piece of fruit or a carb source that yeah. you can easily digest. I do really agree with that. And it's mm-hmm. something I've talked to a lot of my CrossFit clients on and encourage them, you know, 
I know sometimes it can be harder and comfortable to have something if you're working out at six. That means maybe you are mm-hmm. eating by 530 in the morning, but they found extreme benefit in even having, here's my fruit squeezes again, but a fruit squeeze or half a banana and even starting something small to build that tolerance. And honestly, it's like your body starts to get used to having food coming in in the mm-hmm. morning and you will find if you can get used to it and build that consistency and that routine, your body adjusts and adapts and it's ready for that food. And I swear your performance and your you will notice a difference. And you'll feel better through you'll the day better. too. You won't yes. be driven from cortisol yes. for all of your energy, which um, doesn't always feel so mm-hmm. good. I know I was the type of person who never ate in the morning. I just thought I didn't have an appetite. Mm-hmm. I was letting cortisol run my show mm-hmm. in the morning to give me the energy I needed. And when I flipped to having something first thing in the morning within like 30 minutes of waking or even like an hour of waking, yeah. I noticed a huge difference in the way I felt. But Um, a huge impact on my menstrual cycle as well. Um, So that's a bit of a dive there. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would say the mindset for a lot of people is more that they're looking to lose body fat. And then they're like, oh, if I can just like not eat in the morning, then I'll save calories and it's going to be a great weight loss strategy. But it's typically not. It almost... Or for a lot of people, I I see that it backfires where they end up having more intense cravings in the evening and then they're overeating. And then because they've eaten a lot in the evening, then they aren't hungry in the morning. And then it's just this vicious cycle that's not really working for them. And so oftentimes spreading our nutrition throughout the day not only will support that workout performance, but it will likely make you feel more satisfied and able to manage your hunger and fullness cues. All right, so for part two, we are going to explore supplementation specific to CrossFitters. Um, But how we'll format it is a yay or nay format. So (laughs) I'm going to say a supplement, and Darian is going to say yay or nay, maybe with a bit of explanation. Then I'll probably say something too, because I always (laughs) like to like throw in my two cents. Darian, protein powder, yay or nay? Yay. I say this because... It's a very convenient protein source. It can be tasty. And you know what? It still adds to that variety in our day. And truthfully, some people just struggle to eat enough protein. So if this helps you, by all means. Yeah, I definitely echo that. So protein powder ends up being an additional protein option in your day that you can build into your balanced meal. So maybe it's thrown into a smoothie and that's your protein source in your smoothie, but you're still putting in your carbs and your fats. Um, But I'd also say protein powder could be helpful for that person post-workout who might need the post-workout snack, hit a protein shake, maybe with a carb like a banana, Mm -hmm. and you're good to go. So definitely a great source of protein and also specific use for a quick digesting protein post-workout. All right, Darian, yay or nay, creatine? Yay. I say this because often CrossFit, again, depending maybe on the programming, but it does incorporate quite a bit of that um, resistance training and strength training. So if you are someone who's going four to five times a week, you are looking to support that muscle growth, maybe a little bit more muscular endurance, creatine will support that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I'm maybe have a slightly different take on it. Mm -hmm. I definitely say yay to the performance athlete whose priority is building strength. But if you're a health athlete, like you could definitely benefit from it. But if you're like, eh, I don't feel like spending the money on the supplement, then I'd be like, "Mm, yeah, maybe you don't want to take it. And that's me right now. It's like, I know I'd benefit from creatine, but I just don't feel like buying it. So I don't take it. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, I like it. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. BCAAs or EAAs? Yay or nay? 
Nay. Only because I feel like research is limited just in terms of true support for muscle recovery, maybe if overall protein intake is low. But I feel like for the most part, um, because BCAs are amino acids, mm-hmm. uh, the building blocks of protein, when you are eating enough protein in your day, those BCAs aren't going to be necessary. Mm-hmm. If you like them for a tasty drink, by all means, and you want to spend the money, but I'd say true benefit, not necessary. And if you're like, what is a BCAA? Yes, what is the EAA? <laughs> a BCAA, it stands for branch chain amino acids. So it's three specific amino acids, mm-hmm. leucine, isoleucine, and exactly. valine, which there's some research that they support muscle mm-hmm. protein synthesis, but we get them from our food. So yeah. if we're eating enough protein, we're getting those BCAAs. And then an EAA is an essential amino acid. So uh, the essential amino acids are the amino acids that our body can't make itself right. and we need to source from food. So it uh, has all of the those essential amino acids, which I would say would be better than a BCAA, Mm -hmm. but still, like Darian said, not essential Mm -hmm. if you are obtaining enough protein through your diet. I would say maybe if someone is deciding that they want to do fasted training or maybe they're doing a lot of endurance training, maybe they throw some EAAs Mm -hmm. in their water bottle just to give their body some protein throughout the session to prevent uh, muscle protein Protein. breakdown. But overall, I would say nay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, electrolytes, yay or nay? I say yay. Again, maybe this could come again from that health and performance um, difference in terms of the stress and your training and even Mm. just your sweat rate. Mm -hmm. But I do think electrolytes can be very supportive. I mean, Mm -hmm. even just women, like around their menstrual cycles and extra stressors. But from a training perspective, I think electrolytes are a yay. Yeah. And again, it's kind of like the BCAAs where it's, We can get electrolytes Mm -hmm. through food, um, and if we're really diligent, we might be able to meet our needs that way. But I find, especially in the summer when it's hot and you're sweaty, and CrossFit gyms specifically aren't (laughs) air-conditioned, so you are sweaty, it can be very difficult to... meet your electrolyte needs and you might really struggle with hydration or things like muscle cramping and fatigue. So having an electrolyte supplement, I think can be a great tool in your nutrition toolbox that you use as needed. Mm -hmm. Vitamin D, yay or nay? Yay. Simply because of where we are in Canada with um, not being able to synthesize vitamin D from the sun all year round. And it's very hard to source from foods, mm-hmm. but it can be, it's very supportive for our bone health, our immune system functioning. So that's a yay for me. Yeah. And it's actually October 31st as we record this. Happy Halloween. Yes. But as of tomorrow in Saskatchewan, that's yep. the day where they say we now can't synthesize yep. vitamin D through the sun. So November through March is when we can't rely on the sun to help us out and we want to get enough through food and supplements. And actually, this is like a a note that we could have said in the micronutrient section where normally we can source most of our micronutrients through food, but vitamin D is tricky to do it. It's just not abundant in food sources. So it is fortified in foods like milk or plant-based milk, but having that supplement for CrossFit athletes and really any Canadian is a yay from us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Beta alanine, yay or nay? Okay, this one may be a little more nuanced. I'm going to say nay in general, but... Again, maybe diving into that performance aspect, it potentially could be a yay or an interesting consideration. So beta alanine, think of it as like the muscular endurance version of creatine. So creatine's for power, strength, hypertrophy. Beta alanine's going to be for longer anaerobic performances. So essentially it's a non-amino acid 
that is produced in our body, but it helps with muscle tissue. And what it does is it can um, regulate pH levels in working muscles. So it buffers that lactic acid buildup. That's that really uncomfortable feeling when you're working really hard and you just feel like your body wants to stop. Beta alanine kind of helps, I guess, it just allows you to push yeah, a little, push bit, a little long. bit harder and longer. Yeah. yeah. And for the health athlete, they could just continue to build their lactic yeah. acid threshold just by training. Yeah. But maybe for the performance athlete, they want that edge. Mm-hmm. And they, they mm-hmm. have multiple training sessions. Or, yeah, they want that edge and they want to go harder longer. So it, it's an interesting one. I'd say overall, nay. Mm-hmm. But could be a consideration. Yeah. I often think of supplements as the cherry on yeah. top of an ice cream sundae. It's not going to make a difference without that ice cream below it. So beta alanine's probably a cherry on top of the sundae kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Caffeine, yay or nay? <laughs> I feel like you know my answer on this one. It's a Terry yay. loves caffeine. <laughs> I have a love-hate relationship with caffeine, so I'm like, I don't know which way I fall. <laughs> I think it's a yay, but I think there's also, you know, kind of watching your intake still and you know you can build tolerance pretty easily so maybe it is something where you are having your regular cup of coffee in the morning but maybe saving those extra pre-workouts or extra cup for the days you really need it. Yeah and I kind of think of caffeine more of the effects on our nervous system Mm -hmm. and how it's like okay a CrossFit athlete they are you know doing high intensity workouts that add stress to their body and drive up stress hormones like cortisol, then we throw caffeine into the mix, driving up cortisol. And it kind of ends up being this um, nervous system state where we're always like very stimulated Mm -hmm. and like amped up, uh, which can definitely be detrimental to our body if we're not recovering and taking that downtime. So sometimes what I see with athletes, actually, I'm mostly just referring to myself, is, (laughs) you know, maybe knowing that my body needs that recovery, um, but then being like, oh, I'll just take some caffeine. I'll get lift my energy and I'll hit the workout hard. But it's like, hmm, did I need to use caffeine as a tool here or did I maybe need a rest day? Yeah. And so I think just being really honest with yourself um, in terms of how you're using caffeine, are you using it for that boost, um, that little bit of a boost that will be performance enhancing, or are you relying on it for energy because you're not prioritizing your recovery or you're maybe overtraining and you're not taking rest days? Mm-hmm. Definitely pointing at myself yeah. in the past, <laughs> calling myself out. I try not to do that anymore. Nope. But caffeine can be a slippery slope for it me where be. I fall back into old yeah. habits. Yeah. And even like the effects on sleep yeah. if we're taking it late in the day, if totally. you maybe you hit a a workout um, at 4 p.m. or 5 p.m. after work or maybe in an, even an evening class and you're taking caffeine. That'll probably affect your sleep. People say it doesn't, but I truly think that, like, caffeine has quite a long half-life. So for most people, um, you're maybe not getting the most restful sleep. And then I believe that sleep's probably the most important thing you can Mm -hmm. do for recovery. So if taking caffeine for that edge in your workout is affecting your sleep, I don't think it's worth it. Dextrose, yay or nay? So this is another one where it's going to be maybe a tad nuanced, but nay overall, but again, it can have... I would say maybe yay with performance athletes or even competition nutrition, and I'll kind of explain why. So dextrose is a form of carbohydrate, and it's a single sugar molecule, so this means it's going to have a very fast digesting rate. So when we're training hard, your body is using stored glycogen as fuel, and this is going to be broken down for your brain, your working muscles, and even a little bit in your organs. But following these hard workouts, those stores are drained. 
So we need to refuel to help recover. And the fastest way to do this is to get some more carbohydrates or even simple sugars in like dextrose. Now, dextrose specifically supports immediate recovery because it helps drive nutrients to fuel those muscles because it's so quick digesting. So when you take it, it's going to actually help raise your blood sugar levels, which will um, elicit the response from a hormone insulin to be released. But insulin also acts as a nutrient kind of transporter in our body. So when we're raising those sugar levels, we're going to get more glucose to those working muscles to recover. But insulin's also going to be delivering nutrients, which again, are going to further recovery. So that was a little bit of a deep dive. But I would say dextrose could be beneficial. Again, maybe if you are hitting back-to-back training sessions or competitions where you don't have a lot of time in between to recover, you're looking for that very immediate source to get those um, glycogen stores back up to optimal levels so you can hit your next session. Yeah. And I don't know if dextrose is trendy anymore, but I know when I started CrossFit, lots of people were using carbolin and putting that in their post-workout protein shake. Um, But I'd see like the health-focused athlete. So maybe just that person hitting the wad, um, all of a sudden adding dextrose Mm -hmm. to their water bottle. And it's a bit like the Regina George (laughs) eating the Keltine bars in Mean Girls. It's like, oh no, like it is a very dense energy source. And if you don't have that high output or maybe your goal is weight management or weight loss, you probably don't need to throw a bunch of post-workout carbohydrates from dextrose in the mix. You could just go home and have carbohydrates in your meal. Darian, pre-workout, yay or nay? Oh, why am I hesitating? Um, (laughs) Because you love caffeine. (laughs) I know. Okay. Oh, that's a hard one, Court. Nay. Yeah. I think it's like, you know what? If you can have your cup of coffee in the morning, it's like, I don't think, again, you need to further supplement with probably an even higher caffeine content from Mm -hmm. pre-workout. And probably what you'll touch on is just even the added things that are found in pre-workout supplements. Yeah. If I put my dietitian hat on, nay, because it's like that amount of caffeine is easily going to throw you over the recommended uh, amount for the day. So if you're getting like 300 milligrams of caffeine from a pre-workout supplement Mm -hmm. and then you're having coffee or other sources, it might be too much in Mm -hmm. the day. Um, And then other stimulants that tend to be added that just really aren't evidence-based enough for a dietitian to say add in pre-workout. But then if I take off my dietitian hat, (laughs) I'm like, oh, yum, pre-workout. They taste so good. It gives me that boost in my workout. It's such a yummy drink. And so if I'm using pre-workout, maybe because someone's offered it to me, I typically won't buy it. I'll just make sure I'm really reading the labels to see how much caffeine is in this. Mm -hmm. And I might be taking only a quarter of a scoop or a half of a scoop because I don't want 300 milligrams of caffeine in one shot. That's going to be way too much uh, for me in the day. And I'll feel like jittery jittery and unwell. And I don't think it's hormone supportive for women to be hitting high levels of caffeine. Fair enough. One final supplement consideration. So iron, yay or nay? I'm going to say nay, um, simply because I do think you can be pretty conscious of getting iron-rich food sources and how we compare them, Mm -hmm. and that's going to impact its absorption. Um, I mean, for sure, there's special considerations if you just have very low iron stores or, I mean, I know you might touch on like endurance athletes, but even just from like a digestive health perspective, those supplements can be really hard on your digestive system. And I find that payoff isn't always worth it. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I'm going to say nay as well for iron. Um, sometimes people ask if they should supplement with iron because we know it plays a very important role in exercise performance by building those red blood cells that will then deliver oxygen to the body. So especially for endurance, um, enough iron is, is really important. But I would never recommend a supplement unless mm -hmm. we need it, like Darian said. So if blood work has shown that you're low, then we'll use it as a tool to bring your iron stores back up. But we would never just take it because... Uh, we think that we should. Like, we want to make sure we actually need that additional iron and even try to source it through food before we supplement. So, nay, unless you need it. In part three, we wanted to explore factors that influence um, recovery and nutrition. These are considerations that we explore with all of our clients, especially our CrossFit athletes. So this first one we want to hit on is sleep. Um, sleep is so important. And if you think you get enough sleep, honestly, you probably don't. You probably need more. So <laughs> just going to say that. <laughs> yeah, so true. Sleep is very important. And when you're training, you typically do need more sleep for recovery. And so a lot of factors influence sleep. And, and we do want to do an entire podcast episode on um, sleep hygiene and different mm -hmm. factors you can explore to optimize your sleep. But we will say that your nutrition can impact your sleep. So, you know, some athletes or people with high training volume, um, they might benefit from a strategic bedtime snack to support their blood sugars through the night so that they're not waking up with low blood sugars and having mm -hmm. those sleep disruptions. Um, but then other people, maybe more like a health-focused athlete, might benefit from, you know, having a bit of a window before bed where they haven't eaten so that yeah. they can digest their meal. So it's very individualized in terms of how we're approaching nutrition and sleep. Yeah. Um, but then sleep's impact on recovery Um can't be understated as well. And so oftentimes with clients, we're exploring things like a colder room temperature yeah. to optimize sleep, making sure they have their blackout blinds, timing their caffeine yeah. so they're not getting too much late in the day, which could impact sleep. And then we might even be considering... You know, when do you work yeah. out? Some people can only work out late, but, you know, that can be more difficult yeah. than to unwind and sleep. So there's a lot of factors that we're planning in terms of workouts and nutrition and supplements um, to get the best sleep um, for our clients. Mm -hmm. I think it's the sleep piece is so interesting and I mean, all aspects, but even just like specifically with CrossFit too, like even just your body temperature and how your body's trying to recover while you're sleeping mm -hmm. and you can get hotter and it's just like, can be pretty uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. So like Darian said, when your body's There's, recovering, it gets yeah. hot. So athletes will wake up hot <laughs> in the mm -hmm. night. So, um, you know, even different tools, yeah. like I owned a chili pad yeah. at one point, which was a cooling mat yeah. that was on my beds to help keep me colder. So lots to consider. And yeah. what I would also say from a nutrition perspective is how um, low sleep then impacts your appetite the right. next day, and yeah. then that can have effect on your nutrition. So some people have a low appetite where they then don't eat enough, and others experience um, more cravings mm -hmm. when they're underslept. Yeah. And so when we're optimizing our nutrition or food choices, getting enough sleep factors in Definitely. in many ways. Yeah. So that's one consideration. Another is considering stress, stress on your body, stress in your life. It all impacts your food choices and your recovery. Mm -hmm. So CrossFit is a stressor on your body. Um, we might call it a quote unquote good stress, um, but because your body is going to be responding by recovering and getting fitter and stronger and faster. But 
I mean, we have to factor in that CrossFit isn't the only stress that you're taking on in the day. So reviewing that stress bucket in your life is very important. Yeah. So Darian said a stress bucket. So Mm -hmm. to use this as an analogy, visualize a bucket with stressors coming into it. So like Darian said, CrossFit is a stressor on your body, but we might have other stressors too, like work and, you know, our relationships. And so all that stress is water going into the bucket. And when our body's trying to recover, it's trying to empty the bucket of water. Mm -hmm. But if you have too much stress going in or not enough recovery modalities to empty the bucket, that bucket's going to overflow and you're going to crash and burn. Mm -hmm. And so we want to manage the stressors coming into the bucket, but also optimize the recovery modalities to empty that bucket. So nutrition, hydration, sleep, supporting our nervous system, even understanding how our menstrual cycle impacts impacts this whole thing Mm -hmm. for women. Yeah. Yeah. And it's even something too, where you might notice like, you know, if you aren't maybe aware of where all those other stressors are coming from too, and you do start to see even like negative impact on your performance. Like I know you had a really interesting uh, example court as with your training intensities during the school year in university versus Mm -hmm. the summertime and how those stressors even impacted like the gains that you saw. Yeah. So just to build on that example, I was telling Darian how when I was training pretty hard in my university years, I'd always notice through the summer when my stress was very low, I would just I get stronger, I get fitter, mm-hmm. I was feeling so good. And then school season would come around in September and I felt like I was just holding on to my fitness. I just had a hard time getting ahead because the stress of school was so high that mm-hmm. I just couldn't recover and perform the same, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Like I obviously wasn't going to quit university, but it was just interesting mm-hmm. for me to notice that impact of mm-hmm. stress on my body. Um yeah, and I appreciate yeah. you sharing that because I feel like a lot of people are just maybe hard on themselves too if they feel like they're not progressing mm-hmm. because they sometimes don't take into account everything else going on outside of the gym and how that's directly going to correlate to how you do in the gym. Yeah, and I, to continue with this, like if we think about people who are performing at the highest level, so like a CrossFit athlete or really any athlete um, in any sport, they're pretty much their priority is only their sport. And so they typically aren't putting a lot of time into friends and family or work because their job is to work out. So Mm -hmm. we have to, you know, not always compare ourselves to that situation Mm -hmm. because most of us don't only have CrossFit to worry about. We have other things going on and that's okay. We just might have to understand um, how this impacts our recovery so that we can adjust accordingly and take extra rest days when we need it or maybe change the intensity of our workout um, to consider that stress. Another factor that is very important in our nutrition and recovery is rest days. Yeah, so rest days are our body's opportunity to fully recover from the stress that we've put on from our training. Um, And I think a lot of people have questions when it comes to nutrition Mm -hmm. and rest days, which is why we wanted to touch on it. So a question that I often see is, should I eat less on my rest Mm -hmm. day? Darian, do you wanna address this? Yeah. Definitely not. Um, Those rest days, your body is recovering and probably even working harder than it is on your regular workout days to recover. So your energy needs are the same, if not higher. Mm -hmm. And it it can be kind of interesting because you might even find your appetite feels a little bit even all over the place on a recovery day. And that's just because, um, not to dive too much into nervous systems, but you're trying to be in a little bit more of a parasympathetic state. So you might even notice that your hunger cues are actually coming back a little bit stronger. So you're feeling Mm -hmm. hungrier and almost like you can't 
control how much you want to eat, but it's okay. You definitely need those calories and that energy on rest days so that you do feel fully recovered yeah. to hit your training the next day. Yeah. And I'm glad you touched on the nervous system mm-hmm. and just noticing how on a workout day, when you're in that sympathetic mm-hmm. or fight or flight nervous system, it can suppress your appetite. Yeah. So you might be less hungry. So it's something to think about. But like Darian said, um, still eating enough on your rest days, yeah. honoring those uh, hunger cues yeah. is really important. And I think the mindset is I didn't burn calories, so I shouldn't eat as much, but Darian nailed it when she said your body's recovering and it's using that nutrition to build and repair. So we want to make sure it has what it needs to do its job. Another factor is our hydration needs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this definitely could have been bumped up into the nutrition Mm -hmm. umbrella, but hydration is really important because um, if you're not hydrated, your blood volume's low, and then it can't actually move nutrition to your muscles for recovery, but it also can't carry away those waste products of recovery so that your body can get rid of them. So staying hydrated by drinking enough fluid is really important. Um, And if you're sore, your muscles are sore, you might actually need more fluid because when that acute inflammation is happening in the muscle, water surrounds the muscle. um, And so the body requires more to stay hydrated. So keep that in mind as well as if you are noticing soreness in your body, you might need to up your fluids and you might even need to consider electrolytes as well as you're training if your body needs that support of those minerals. Another factor I explore with all of my female athletes um, is understanding their menstrual cycle and how that influences their nutrition and recovery. Mm -hmm. So why might this matter in the CrossFit world? Yeah. Well, first of all, having a menstrual cycle. So getting your period is super important. Obviously, if you're using forms of contraception like an IUD or Mm -hmm. the pill, this conversation isn't really one we can monitor for you because you're not having that natural cycle that we're, we're looking at optimizing. But if you're not having a period, it could be a sign that you're underfueled or overtraining, and we need to address that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the second piece is understanding how your menstrual cycle influences yeah. your recovery and your energy and your appetite. Um, so about a week before a woman gets her period, actually one to two weeks, um, they're in a phase of the cycle called the luteal phase, where their me- their metabolism can actually be increased by like 10 to 20%, I think is the rate. So they might be hungrier, but they might also not have the same energy to put towards a workout. And so I'll have my clients check in with themselves and know, hey, it's totally normal to not have the same intensity in this phase of the cycle. So don't be hard on yourself if you need to go at a slower pace, Mm -hmm. if you need to take an extra rest day, that's totally fine. Um, Performance-wise, you might feel a bit more optimal later in the cycle. um, And so that's totally okay. And I just think it's really important to understand our cycles so that we can work with them. Yeah. No, I think that's very important to touch on because I think, again, maybe even a lot of women are hard on themselves, like depending where they are and why they don't feel as great in the gym or aren't Mm -hmm. doing their best or feeling hungrier. So I think bringing that awareness is very important. Yeah. And I think it's pretty trendy right now, or I hope it's not a trend. I Mm -hmm. hope it stays. But women are more aware of their cycles. And lately I'm hearing a lot about training around Mm -hmm. our cycle. And so women will say, you know, I do CrossFit on the first two weeks of my uh, cycle, but mm-hmm. then I switch to yoga mm-hmm. after that because I, you know, need to be training with my cycle. Mm-hmm. So uh, the mindset is there where it's like, okay, maybe we are taking a little bit easier mm-hmm. in that second half of the cycle, but I don't think it necessarily means you have to tra- change how yeah, you train. So you don't have to stop doing CrossFit or, yeah. you know, not go to the gym for that week or two, but it might just be really checking in with yourself to adjust um, how you're approaching those workouts yeah. depending on what your body needs. 
So there are many other tools that we can use to optimize our recovery. So things like saunas and cold showers, um, you know, getting massages, using cooling mats for your bed like a chili pad, or even monitoring HRV through tools like a Whoop. So what is a Whoop? (laughs) So a Whoop is a specific company that created a band that tracks your HRV, which is your heart rate variability. Mm -hmm. So it's technically the beats um, or the the space between the your heartbeats and tracking mm-hmm. that helps our body understand how recovered we are. So the more variability, actually, the more recovered you are. So right. it'll give you a number or your HRV mm-hmm. reading and then tell you how recovered you are based on right. that reading. And actually, many watches have it. So yeah. I have a Fitbit and it tracks my HRV. Apple Watch will track it. So yeah. um, it's not just specific tools yeah. like a Whoop. Um, But it is something that you'll see a lot of athletes Mm -hmm. use and even like recreational or health focused athletes, I would say, have tools like this. And I think it's awesome Mm -hmm. um, to have some data that helps you understand what it looks like to be recovered versus not. Mm -hmm. But really, it's just, you know, a cherry on top of an ice cream sundae. You know, the other factors like sleep and nutrition and hydration will be where we'd want you to focus your attention. But I do think if you want to use tools like this and learn more about your body and what it feels like to be recovered versus not, um, then like go for it. I know I really love learning about my body, but now I'm pretty intuitive knowing yeah. what that feels like but I would say the tool helped yeah. me check in with myself I think that's more. a good point like using it to see that data and but start to understand what that's feeling like and looking like for you so you can carry forward with maybe not having to use it forever but again kind of using that data to help you learn mm-hmm. and you know, maybe I'll jump down a rabbit hole here with the brand Whoop specifically. I think people don't always know how to use Mm -hmm. the data. So it gives you a reading of your score that will be like red, yellow, green, Mm -hmm. with green being like you're recovered, train hard, go. Yellow being like, oh, you know, you're in the middle, like you're recovering, Mm -hmm. um, you're not optimized. And then red, like, oh boy, (laughs) you're really under recovered. You need to like check in with yourself, maybe take a rest day or or figure out what's going on Mm -hmm. here where you're constantly under recovered. But I think people think that they should always be in the green. And if they're not in the green, they're doing something wrong. But it's like, no, No. that's what our body does. We train and we recover. So we're not going to be optimized every day. So if tools like this make us get in our head and be like, oh, I shouldn't train or I'm not recovered, then it's like, hmm, maybe you're putting a little bit too much emphasis on the data and not enough emphasis on what's happening inside your body. They are really interesting. Like they truly are. And I think you're right. It's like, you know, taking that deeper dive to understand what that looks like, knowing that it's like, yeah, it's not always going to be on one end of the spectrum for you, but starting to understand what it takes to get there and knowing kind of how your body's feeling throughout that entire process is very helpful. So in this podcast episode, Darian and I had some great banter about nutrition considerations for CrossFit. So we talked specifically about food, but also supplements and recovery modalities. If you feel like you need some one-on-one support with your nutrition and recovery for CrossFit, then definitely reach out to one of the dietitians at Vitality Nutrition. You can find us at www.vitalitynutrition.ca. And our nutrition coaching program is typically the program that we um, like to work with when we're supporting a 
CrossFit athlete. So it's a a 12-week program where we really get to work with you closely one-on-one for those 12 weeks so that we can explore all of these considerations in depth, not just your nutrition, but also those lifestyle factors like sleep, Mm -hmm. like your cycle. Yeah. On that note, I'm going to go hit a pre-workout snack and go to the gym. Awesome. (laughs) Have a good workout. Thanks for spending your time with us. To further fill your plate, follow us on social media using the links in our show notes or visit us online at vitalitynutrition.ca. And as always, we welcome your ratings and reviews wherever you listen to podcasts. Stay fed, stay moving, and stay well. Produced at Sound Lounge by T-Bone.